Well, it's delightful to be here today with you. Thank you for giving us time to share with you. I hope it will be an encouragement. I hope you will get a sense of who we are, what we're doing, but more than that, who is Jesus and what is he doing? Because he's doing amazing things. I love hearing about what Forest View is doing through the prayer team, through the Facebook posts and the, and the Instagram posts. It's wonderful. You probably didn't know there was somebody in Malawi who was thinking, wondering what you're doing this week. <laughs> Mo and I are going to, Mo or David, we are going to tag team this morning, so you'll see a bit of, of both of us, and my daughter Colleen is going to help with some pictures as we go. Jesus spoke to his disciples in his last days, and he said, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become children of light. I've been spending a lot of time with these words. I hear urgency in the words. Jesus knew that his days were few. He knew that the disciples were about to face darkness of the deepest kind. He knew that they needed to keep moving forward in faith in order to stay ahead of the darkness. Likewise, we're all given light. We're given light even though the darkness presses in all around us. What will keep us moving forward in these dark days? Just light, simply light. And the light, of course, is Jesus. He says, I am the light. In Malawi, what we do, for those of you who don't know, we build families out of children who have no living relative or parents and house parents who are ready to lay down their lives and love these children as their own. And one of um, the places where the children come from are clearly dark. There's, it's not hard in Malawi to say, okay, that's dark. You know, one of our boys, uh, we found him when he was about four, and his mother, his father had died, and then his mother remarried, and his, mother, his mother's new husband didn't like this child of the first, her first husband. And so he was torturing him and burning him. And um, she was afraid for his life. So she took him back to her home village and left him with a lady who brewed beer in her house. That's what she did to earn a living, to make a living. So this little boy, four years old, was completely traumatized by the time we got to bring him home to us. And he, he cried himself to sleep for months, months and months, just couldn't be consoled at nighttime. Now, he's one of our top students, and that's 14 years later. He's one of our top students, and his dream is to be a doctor. And on our departure day, just a, a few weeks ago, he was up at 5 o'clock in the morning to say goodbye to us. Darkness is easy to recognize in that situation. After the, this year's floods, we visited a camp for those who had lost their homes. I stood in the crowd as they waited for food. I saw children who were sick and moms who were exhausted. I saw old people holding on to their few possessions. And I looked at the crowd. I actually was right in the middle of the crowd, and I just looked around, quieted myself, made eye contact with those who would, and asked God, give me your heart. 
What do you feel for these people? Many smiled back at me. Some laughed at me. Who's this white lady in the middle of this crowd? And the children, you know, they snuggle up. Other people just looked away because they were so sad, so full of pain. But in my heart, I began to feel the love of God welling up inside me. I started to walk around the outskirts of the crowd, deliberately asking God for somebody to pray for. <laughs> it wasn't very hard. I, I looked around and I saw so many sick people, so I just asked one lady, please, can I pray for you? Of course, she said, yes, please. I bowed my head, laid my hands, prayed for her, and when I finished, I looked up and there was a ring of people around me waiting for prayer. So I prayed some more. I looked up and another had taken her place. I prayed again. Again, I looked up to find another had taken her place. Every time I looked up, there were five more. And I don't know, about an hour into that, I had a tap on my shoulder. And one of our Iris girls, maybe only 14 years old, 15, she says, Mom, can I help? That was a magical moment for me. She saw what I was doing and wanted to participate with me. So we stood back to back with this crowd of people around us. She's little and small, but full of faith, just laid hands on and prayed. We prayed for a long, long time. We prayed for chest infections, bad dreams, a child who couldn't speak, a newborn baby. Finally, we looked up and there was no one else. We'd run the course. <laughs> I will never see those people again unless there's some kind of heavenly appointment. I trust that God touched each of them, that they were healed and restored to wholeness. What touched me? I touched them with my hands, but what touched me was their hunger. I was humbled by their persistent cry. Right in the middle of darkness, loss, and fear, there was light. When Jesus says in John chapter 12, walk while you have the light, I find myself asking lots of questions. Where is the light for today? How do I walk in it? What is expected of me? What if I don't have the strength? What is the end of this story? When we went to Malawi, we did not know the end of the story, and we didn't have a master plan, surprise. We had a revelation powerful enough to move us to the other side of the world. We started building a house and soon heard rumors of children in desperate situations. Again, we, had, we were given enough light to go start finding the kids and bringing them home. When we had two children's homes, so that's about uh, 24 kids, we realized that we needed a school. We had enough light to start, and we walked forward. Where would we find teachers? What about government policy? We did not have all of those answers, but we had enough light to start. Now, we have 99 children, 21 of whom are grown, five of whom are in committed relationships, four of whom are parents. So yes, I have four grandchildren. We have 30 secondary students, and the remaining 40 are at primary school. This season of launching young adults into the world is challenging, as you know if you have a young adult in your house. I realize that our need for light will only increase. Sometimes I get overwhelmed, and I feel like I'm scrambling, scrambling around in the dark, trying to figure out the answers. 
So we've been in Malawi now just over 16 years. It's a country that is very poor, almost 19 million people, and 50, almost 50% 50 are aged 15 years of age or younger. Great poverty, gripped by hunger, suffering, pain, sickness. I'm going to be a bit honest with you and let you know that I, there's something I struggle with, and that's disappointments. They come too frequently. They weigh me down. I don't like the darkness of disappointment. Together with our team, we've planted over 400 churches throughout the country of Malawi, from the south to the north. Discipled pastors. We have a Bible school training pastors. And after you spend time, this one fella over 10 years discipling, caring for him, watching him grow and blossom as a pastor. Uh, he has a huge following of people. It's hard when someone like that makes a decision, a moral decision, which destroys his family and hurts his ministry. Unfortunately, a situation like that is not isolated. There's been many. It repeats itself all too often. Or disappointment like one of our young women who we've loved and cared for, nurtured since she was a young little girl, comes home. But then as she grows, <clears throat> misunderstands her identity, runs away, giving herself to different men, trying to find something to fill her emptiness. Or like William, one of our pastors in the northern part of the country, an amazing man. Gifted, a gifted evangelist. Well, his daughter, 15 years old, is lured by a terrorist group taken out of the country and abused for months. Thankfully, authorities find her and bring her home, but with much trauma. I need to be really careful how I deal with these constant disappointments. And I don't think you have to be in Malawi to have to deal with that same type of pain. All over the world, even in Oakville, Burlington, we all suffer with disappointment. When our expectations and our hopes are shattered, when sorrow and anxiety overwhelms us, for me, my joy is robbed. It hardens my heart with cynicism and, or frustration. It's like a cloud of darkness settles in and my faith is weakened. This is when I need to most certainly listen for the whisper. Walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. Walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. So I turn to the light, surrendering. Positioning myself under Christ's Lordship. Welcoming the Holy Spirit to come and fill me, renew me with new joy, which is my strength. The darkness does threaten to overwhelm us. Jesus gives us the solution as walk in the light. 
In other words, walk with me because I am the light. The end goal is that as we walk in the light, believing that Jesus is who he said he is, we will become children of light. I find I make choices all the time. Will I deliberately choose to walk in the light? Will I position myself under Christ's lordship? Jesus' words about light at the end of his life echo a message the disciples likely heard more than once, the Sermon on the Mount. It provides step-by-step guidance about how to walk in the light, how to be both salt and light. Matthew 5, 13 to 16, Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Salt is very important in Malawi, since the staple foods are pretty bland. If there's no sugar in the house, which often happens, people will put salt in their porridge. It can be purchased very cheaply, and it is readily available. It also has many medicinal purposes, as you know. Kids kind of joke around on the base. If they come and tell me there's gonna be, uh, they have a sore throat, I'm sure to say, have you gargled with salt water? They just make a joke now. They just say to each other, salt water. Or if someone comes with a wound, and I will say to them, have you washed it with salt water? That's our answer. That's the starting place. And the wonderful thing is that salt is easily found. Even if someone cannot afford soap, they will have salt. And it cures many, many diseases. It is not a rare commodity. Surely when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, he's talking about our ordinary, everyday lives and our function in the world. When Jesus says that salt has lost its taste, that has lost its taste is no longer good for anything but to be trampled under our feet, that sounds fairly harsh to me. But I don't think he's saying that you and I are worthless when we fail at evangelism or when we fearfully keep our mouths shut when salt is desperately needed. I think he's reminding us to return to the beginning of his upside-down path, which is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Knowing that you are not worthy, knowing that you let Jesus down, knowing that we do not have the answers in ourselves, we become poor in spirit. The people I prayed for at the camp and the people I pray for on a daily basis in Malawi, they, they have incredible humility. They know that they have nothing to offer, and that's why they're blessed. The problem with all our education, our leadership training, our book reading, 
and our self-awareness is that we might be tempted to think we have something to offer. We are salt because we are with Jesus. No other reason. We are salt because Jesus is with us. The more we walk with him, the more we become like him. We are light because we are with Jesus. Just like the moon reflects the sun's light, we reflect the light of Jesus. We are meant to draw attention to Jesus. Our conversation and our behavior should stir up questions. Can we bring light in dark places? Can we ourselves cling to the light when the darkness threatens to overwhelm us? I must constantly remind myself that I walk with Christ. The darkness will not overshadow the light. The pain and sorrow may remain for a time, and it's there in that place that Jesus weeps with me. But I must keep darkness in perspective. Darkness is never a threat to light. Light always surpasses, <laughs> light always surpasses darkness. As believers, we are seated with Christ in the heavenly. So keep looking down. When I walk with Christ, I can let go of control. I can lean on Jesus, remembering that it's not all about me. It's not about me at all. It is God who works by his grace. In Jesus, there is light and life and salt. I'm grateful for the amazing things that God is doing in our neighborhood of Malawi. The end of March, I was in a maximum security prison, the biggest in Malawi, in the city of Zomba, 2,000 inmates. An old prison that was made for 300. We were together with Prison Fellowship Malawi, and we've just started a new work with Prison Fellowship Malawi, and we've been given the southern two district prisons in the country to, to minister the gospel, to to, to bring the good news, to help uh, bring truth to those who need it so most, most desperately. Well, I'll never forget. I mean, you can try to picture it, but we're in this big courtyard under the hot sun with 2,000 onlookers watching 144 inmates who have just, they're about to graduate through the, the uh, prisoner's journey curriculum they've been doing for the last 12 weeks. They're receiving a certificate a Bible, some soap. There was a band in this courtyard made up of guards and prisoners. They were really good musicians. Uh, playing a bit of kind of soul jazz and a little bit of gospel. There was worship in this courtyard. Praise to God. There was preaching. I mean, I love Africa. You can, you can just do so much. You can, you can proclaim the word of God. And so all are hearing. I am dancing, Africa style, side by side with the warden, side by side with the second uh, from the Commission of Missions in, uh, in Malawi, with the Prisoner Journey graduates and some of the other inmates watching. What a celebration. That is the light of Christ coming to transform lives. God makes all things new. Chikumbuzo Danger. That's his name. He's a really neat guy. He came to us as a young boy in 2005. Actually, the second child we brought home. 
So we witnessed his marriage. He's older now. He's on his own. He's one of the employees at our Iris data business, so he can sustain himself. He found a beautiful young woman in the village. And he went through the right, the right process to, to engage, to marry. And in our church, one of the Iris churches on the base, we witnessed that wonderful day where he, they shared their vows together, committed themselves to a faithful marriage. What a model, what an example for the others to see, to follow. It's so very exciting what God is doing in Malawi. And we get back, when I get back next week, we have another one of those weddings to celebrate. We're going to have a few of those, probably a hundred. <laughs> I thought you, maybe you'd like to know, the budget for Chiku's wedding, $200 max. Awesome. <laughs> Jesus called us to go to one of the poorest countries in the world, to one of its poorest towns, in order to find riches. Jesus gives us hope to bless the marriage between two orphans. She has no mother. She's never had one. So now I have a hundred children. We can believe with them for a healthy marriage, even though neither of them had that in their growing up years. Walking with Jesus also means asking, God, what next? What do you want to do today? that you didn't do yesterday. Jesus says, walk in the light. He's inviting us to look from heavenly places, to, to gain a different perspective, to stay ahead of the darkness. There is urgency. The light for today is for today. The light that you have for today is for today. The more we walk in the light, we begin to know the light and gradually to anticipate what the Father is doing. At our recent conference, Roland Baker, the founder of Iris, spoke these words. Faith is knowing God well enough to know what he wants. I wrote it down because I wanted to remember. Faith is knowing God well enough to know what he wants. What if we habitually walked in the light? I'm talking to myself. What if I habitually walked in the light? What if we look, daily looked at life from a heavenly perspective? Have you ever seen a field of sunflowers with their faces turned towards the light? What seeds has God planted in your hearts that are creeping up towards the light? We need to get in the light every day. We need to get close to Jesus every day. Expose our thoughts and our dreams to the light and gain a new perspective. We all need this, all of us, every day. We're going to celebrate communion. What a joy to me. I didn't, I haven't had communion since we got to Canada, and I've been looking forward to it. Communion is a perfect opportunity to do just that, to remember Jesus, to Get in the light. My friend Rebecca used to always say to me, Joe, get with Jesus. She would see the stress on my face or anxiety, and she would say, Joe, get with Jesus. And when we have communion, that's what we do. We get with Jesus. We find him, and he finds us. 
and we bring our dreams, our ideas, our thoughts, and we say, which, what, what do you want to do with these? I'm going to pray. Let's pray. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. Jesus, we can only do this through you. We can only walk in the light if you help us. I ask, Father, that you would meet us as we come to your table. Will you meet us as we humbly recognize our faults, forgive us our sins? Thank you, Jesus, that you are the light of the world. And where you go, there's light. Thank you for those words that where I go, there will my servant be also. Help us to follow you into the light. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice that brings us life and light every day. Amen.